I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Another boy from Monroe who migrated with his parents to Oakland took an entirely different path. He would go on to become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Bill Russell was born in Monroe in 1934 and watched his parents suffer one indignity after another. His father once went to a gas station only to be told he would have to wait for white people to get their gas first. He waited and waited, and when his turn seemed to never come, he started to pull off. The owner came up, put a shotgun to his head, and told him he was not to leave until all the white people had been served. Boy, don't you ever do what you just started to do, the station owner said. As for Russell's mother, a policeman once grabbed her on the street and ordered her to go take off the suit she was wearing. He said she had no business dressing like a white woman and that he'd arrest her if he ever saw her like that again. Bill Russell watched his mother sit at the kitchen table in tears over the straits they were in. Soon afterward, his parents packed up the family and moved to Oakland, where a colony of people from Monroe had fled. Russell was nine years old. He would get to go to better schools, win the scholarship to the University of San Francisco, and lead his team, the Dons, to two NCAA championships, a first for an integrated basketball team, collegiate or professional. He would join the Celtics in 1956 and lead Boston to 11 championships in his 13 seasons. He would become perhaps the greatest defensive player in the NBA history and the first black coach in the NBA. There's no way to know what might have happened to Bill Russell had his parents not migrated. What is known is that his his family had few resources and that he would not have been allowed into any white college in Louisiana in the early 1950s and thus would not have been in a position to be recruited to the NBA. The consequences of his absence from the game would now be unimaginable to followers of the sport. Hey, welcome to the Blackout Test Podcast. Your host, Rod. And Karen. And we are live in the library. In the library, y'all. And we're not being very quiet. No. Uh, <laughs> We're live in the library, and uh, you guys can probably hear through the mics, but we have, like, a room full of black people, people. in here. We got an audience, y'all. Celebrating Black History Month. Black History! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're here, actually, uh, as a service kind of to the library and kind of to Black History Month. It combines all our favorite things. It's reading, black literature. It's black history celebration. It's public resources. You know, and it's also like library knowledge. And we also have a guest, the person who invited us. Yes. It's our girl, Alicia, the librarian. Hi, hi. Who we went to school with. We did. Small world. Yes. Um, First of all, Alicia, thank you for having us. Thank you, baby. I'm so glad that you guys came. This is so awesome. Yeah. It was was, uh, one of those things where she was like, you guys want to come to the library? And I was like, "Mm, I like black history. I like reading. We talk about supporting local resources and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, so I came out here, and I was like, let's just see if we can do it. And I looked at the room, and I was like, oh, we can – we, we can, can probably make this, this happen. Yes. And so it's, it's honestly our honor and pleasure to be able to make it happen. Um, and and you know. I'm so honored. We're honored to have you guys. It's, a, you're, it's you're an so honor major off. now, so I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you when know, we, we're in the paper out. and stuff. I mean, it's really I mean, no big deal. All and all that, so <laughs> you know, like, oh you know we, do what we, we do what we do, what we yeah. can do for the people, you know. Yes. Uh, you. <laughs> but um, 
the excerpt that i was reading is from uh the warmth of other sons by isabel wilkerson it talks about the great migration and i think when we hear about things like the great migration people think of it almost like an organized movement but it's really like a trickle right. of people like individual people deciding like i'm i'm getting the hell out of here it's i've had enough much. you know right. what i've had enough too you know what me too right. and right. then all of a sudden everybody just slowly leaving right and so um i think when we think about it in mass you know you think about this time period and it's all these people moving all these black people being like i'm fed up but the individual stories such as in this case bill russell you know who's like a nba legend there would be no bill russell nba legend if his parents hadn't moved you know so um i like to think about the story individually like that and there's so many examples in this book and that's one of the reasons i find black history reading to be so important because you really don't hear about this stuff any other way you know there's not a lot of other media dedicated to it and we're not really taught this stuff in schools so you may be taught like from this period of time to that period of time was a great migration and then you move on to the next chapter right but in this case when you're getting into these texts you're able to get like detailed stories of like oh this is literally one person's story and that's just an anecdote in this book but it's something that you know for me an nba fan it's huge because without bill russell without the first black coach without um 11 rings what happens to black people in the nba what happens to integration in the nba what does the nba look like now when i think of this league all these oh look at all these powerful black men that are representing you got lebron james like all these people they seem to be for the people is that even a thing without bill russell and it also taught me because i hated the celtics not everybody played for the celtics was a bad person like true 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 it's like oh he okay he was cool okay all right cool so um but yeah we have a lot of stuff to get into of course um the official weapon of the show is the taser and unofficial sport bullet ball and bullet ball extreme um and let's talk about it guys there's other books that you wanted to recommend and talk about um because you know as a librarian and a resource and somebody that put on this festival for black history um you know your expertise is needed here because I, I don't know all these other books i just know like seven books okay. nah. I, I really don't believe that nah. <laughs> but yes um thanks again you all for coming out for the black history month literary festival this is our first one Oh, talk, talk right into the blue mic. Oh, yes. This is our first one. And again, we are so excited for Rod and Karen to be here with us today. So I would like to tie in the book, This is the Rope, a story from the Great Migration. This book was written by Jacqueline Woodson, and she's an award-winning author. Talking the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so it talks about black people leaving the South and moving up North. And one of the focus points of the book is a rope and it chronicles the life of a little girl in South Carolina and this rope and so this rope symbolizes hope and mm. so this rope is used for for swinging and just for tying suitcases so this rope serves as many purposes and so in the theme of the book the, again the rope symbolizes hope and I and this is a book what age range is for this book for this would be, I would recommend this book for school-age children. Okay. Yeah, so kids in elementary school, I would recommend it for that age group. Yeah, yeah and I so. think it's important, too, because I think, at least for me anyway, as I feel like I learned more black history stuff, like, than I learned in school outside of school. Same. Like, if it wasn't for my mom and, and, and dad, if they weren't, like, giving me books to read um, that you know weren't in the curriculum i don't think i ever would have learned this stuff and to see something like this that has like great illustrations mm -hmm. it's kind of like 
palatable to the eye and something that you know a kid can be interested in yeah so um just to piggyback on the book the young girl starts out in south carolina and then she moves into new york city with her family so they Mm. travel up north Yes. yeah and that's one of the routes like you know you can get like that's the other thing you find out like people getting on trains buses they were walking sneaking sneaking yeah. out of town all this stuff and so when you individualize a story like this like uh tony morrison's jazz is like that for me where it's integrating it's fiction but then it's integrating so much of reality that it's like oh these things happen to certain people mm-hmm. and i wouldn't have learned about it if not for that absolutely so again this is the rope if you have children you can definitely share this book with them the illustrations are great james remson is the illustrator of the book and this can be checked out from the library mm-hmm. and another book i would like to share is that okay yeah oh, keep yeah. going <laughs> it's your show yeah share as many as you want baby all right so the next book is i just want y'all to know that when i first was like alicia you could be on with her she was like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to talk and all this and now she's just like i'm gonna keep going so is that straight go ahead. i love it keep going no no, no. <laughs> so the next book i want to share with you guys is dark sky rising reconstruction and the dawn of jim crow this one is written by henry lewis gate jr mm. and i know him from pbs right right mm-hmm. yes and it has and like from a, trying to get in his house and the police stopped him but but go oh, ahead that's, that, that's neither here nor there neither yeah, here nor there yeah, black history yeah. trivia right. yes yes <laughs> thank you for adding that that's important <laughs> and so um there's a foreword by tanya bolden she's a well-known children's author as well So this book, it talks about, of course, the Reconstruction period um, and how blacks were living after the Civil War period and how they tried to make a better life for themselves. So uh, it chronicles the stories during that period. Yeah, that's also a period of time that's just not like taught very much in schools and i was waiting for something like this because i want to know more about it right because it was only eight years you Mm -hmm. know and then um at least the way it's taught in schools you you get it's like there's a civil war it was fought and the blacks are free and i'm in class like i don't sound like it was that easy (laughs) and and then they're like and then there's reconstruction that didn't work anyway and so then jim crow is like how did what it what happened between that gap they're missing right Right. and so like i read uh uh ta coast we were eight years in power um you know um i read a book about uh ida it's about ida b wells a sword among lions and it highlights a lot of that like what was great about reconstruction ultimately why it failed and um and how it was like undermined and stuff and i think there's so many interesting stories just and that's only eight years really there's there's so many interesting stories just in that period of time that i mean you really wouldn't learn about anywhere else right and black people were thriving during this period and they were into the into politics but everything people say when mm-hmm. they're like you know we just would just like get our own and stuff black people had their own yeah yeah yeah. but they had opposition right right and and some people didn't like them having their own right right and the (laughs) the thing is anything all the ideas that people have have been tried there's no idea that somebody's come up with now that hadn't been tried why don't we go off on our own we've done that ex black wall street what happened to them so you know when, when you go back and you think about it it's one of those things where you have to continue to try but also in trying you have to understand it's always going to be opposition so you have to be prepared for the opposition and i think for me personally 
I never got these stories and a lot of reading was very boring to me because nobody looked like me so I didn't care about all the history you were giving me because I could not relate to it that was to speak for me so it wasn't until I became an adult adult like within the past five to ten years that I started reading and digging and researching and learning and I felt kind of ashamed but you don't know what you don't know so I say well now I know so since I know I know that I can actually help other people and teach them and show them that a lot of the arguments and debates you have, that's fine, but it also takes work to get this stuff done. Like, it's okay to tweet and post and all that stuff, but if you don't put boots to the ground, if there's no action, if there's nothing behind that, what are you really going to get done? Because these people in the history, they actually had to do some things in order for the progress to happen. Absolutely. That was very well said. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, also, too, the thing I would add is that um, when you learn about these stories, you also learn about stories of triumph. You learn about people that were like iconic people that tried in their day that because, you know, whether it's black wall street being burned down, how many people didn't learn about like Tulsa, Oklahoma until, uh, Watchmen this right. year. Like, so something in pop culture had to cover it for people to be like, wait, now hold up. What, what was, was that real? Right. Oh, it was. So, you know, and I, I feel like those type of moments, um, when you see a collective, like, oh my God, I didn't even know this happened. That's also an indictment on our education system. It's also an indictment on us not using our public resources because every book that we're bringing up, you can go get it in the library right now and learn. And if you haven't learned it as an adult, it's not too late. And if you have a child or somebody in your life that you would like to have, like, let's start them on this path. I think they can only be edified by it. Yes, diversity matters. And if you don't mind, I would like to yeah, keep going. Yeah. Keep another going. book, Young, Gifted, <laughs> and Black by Jamia Wilson. This is an excellent book that talks about the contributions of black people. So mm-hmm. this is a great book for children. And I would recommend this book for... It's got great artwork, yeah, too. I can show you guys in the audience. School-age children, definitely. Like, maybe third, fifth grade level. Yeah, that's dope. And let's see. Uh, there's another book I would like to highlight as well by Chris Barton. What do you do with a voice like that? The story of extraordinary Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, and this is an excellent book as well for children. I think it helps with boosting their confidence and making them feel good about themselves because this woman, she served in politics. She was in the Senate. She was a Congresswoman, and she was known for her amazing voice, and people recognized that she had this talent as a young child, and she went on to do, like, poetry contests and stuff, things of that nature, to help propel her to where she where she went so again what would you what do you do with a voice like that the extraordinary congresswoman barbara jordan again these all could be checked out from the library mm. cool uh was there any more books you want to do i know you had a couple more of- um actually i can also highlight this book crown and oh yeah we met the um and we met the, the, the man who uh illustrated that yes. yes gordon c james he was here today for the Black History Month Literary Festival. And he talked about this book. And basically, it's like a shout-out to all the young boys going to the barbershop. You know, it's great for their self-esteem. Yeah, so you guys can take a look at the pictures here. It's like all of the barbershop experience without, like, arguing about is LeBron better than Jordan. (laughs) Right, exactly, yeah. So it's a real confidence 
booster for young boys. Yeah. That's so, dope. Yeah, and the author again is Derek Barnes. Cool. Um, we also had other things we wanted to get into, guys. Um let's talk about library resources. Um now you're the expert on this. We're just kinda hanging out. But I know you were saying that y'all also have podcasting resources for people. We do have podcasts that you can, excuse me, podcast kits that you can check out from the library. And we also have the the cell phone kits, recording kits that you can check out as well. Which is interesting because, like, a lot of people, you know, podcasts like the new blog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of want to start one. Everybody's got one, you know. And, you know, for part of the barrier of getting into that is money sometimes right. it's like i want to start one but i don't want to buy a bunch oh, of stuff equipment. but uh i didn't even know about the library having these resources where people could like check them out and maybe they could see if they want to do it you right. know maybe you can see what you can create with it um and 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 see like if, if it's for you you know and if it isn't hey you didn't buy anything you just check it back in I uh, gave it a shot, you know, yeah. was it for me or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you're not like, you know, reselling your stuff on eBay. So I, I thought that was kind of a cool, um, cool idea. Yes. And correction here. It's the cell phone video kit. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the podcast kit. So yes, those can be checked out from the library. That's dope. Yep. You just need your library card. And these are all free resources. Um, and yes. then do y'all have like any like classes or educational stuff with it or? Yeah. Actually, we did. We had a series of classes um, that people were able to attend, and they were taught how to use the the kit, the cell phone video kit. We've had outside organizations organizations that come in as well, and they show people how to make their own films. Oh, that's dope. So, if you go to cmlibrary.org, you can see all of the offerings that are happening at our library locations. And is it real hard to get a library card? I mean, it is not. You just oh. need to live in Mecklenburg County. So There's no credit check free. or no credit <laughs> check. No, no, none of that. <laughs> no, we just need for you to provide proof that you live in Mecklenburg County. So usually that would be a driver's license. Yeah, I just yeah. got mine uh, last year after all these years of not having one again. I thought like, you had one. I had one when I was a kid. I used it, and then, I don't know, somewhere over the years, I just lost it or whatever and just forgot. And then um, I got it, like, within minutes. Like, it's a real easy process. Oh, yeah, definitely. It only takes a few minutes. Yeah. And it's surprising to know that people in the county that don't have a library card, and then when they get the card and you share the resources that we have, they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know all this was here but it we have a lot of things going on at the library definitely now what made you want to put on the literary festival well back in november i did a festival highlighting the coretta (laughs) so my crowd casting us on the audience it's okay uh Um, volume down all right go ahead highlighting the uh, works of coretta scott king organization Mm -hmm. which is part of the American Library Association. So it, it came up on their 50th anniversary. So I wanted to do some programs surrounding that. And so I did a week longer programs. And so I thought, you know what? It'll be cool in, during Black History Month to do something similar to that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, just to celebrate the culture. And what all events did y'all have today? Okay, so today at 11 a.m. we had cultural rhythms. And so we had a dance instructor come in. She was amazing, Venetia Butler. And she did modern and African dance along with ballet with kids. 
families, adults, whoever wanted to participate, and it was held right in this room. And at 12 p.m., we had Meet the Illustrator, Gordon C. James. You guys mm -hmm. saw him. He was here at 12 p.m., and he talked about his life as an illustrator, and kids had the opportunity, or participants had the opportunity to ask questions, and he also did some cool drawings of the kids. That was really amazing. He stood over his time to draw pictures of the kids that were, that was really sweet. Yeah, he yeah. was in here drawing everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Those pictures were gorgeous. Yeah, it was yeah, nice it was to meet amazing. him. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is, like, black history isn't just for black people. Like, it's it's a it's, it's history, history world the, history. right like we don't say that about any other history it's not like hey we're gonna be learning about france so everybody's not french everybody get out <laughs> no like so you can be you can be educated and edified by it, period you know it's not only just uh us that so when i came in i saw like white kids and i was like cool they learning like this is what this is literally what we need like uh there i have a friend um who i play basketball with and we uh were talking about the confederate flag and he was like oh i grew up you know it's like it's not a hateful thing it's like heritage and stuff like that and i was like oh you just don't know his you don't know the history of it right. you weren't taught the actual history of it and so i sent him a couple like recommendations to go read because i wasn't gonna do all that work um <laughs> i was like you should you should read this stuff if you really care and uh he had came in like maybe a week or so later and he was like you know i'm sorry man i really didn't know the about the history of the confederate flag and it and the return the resurgence of it during the civil rights movement and all that stuff and i'm like yeah because you weren't taught it i wasn't taught it in school it's really hurting all of us to not learn you know and so to have resources like the library where you can go learn for free you know what i mean we're using wi-fi from the library right now um so like just to, uh to, to have those resources out there is so important not just for us but for everybody yeah i would like to highlight a few other resources mm -hmm. again you can get a whole listing of our resources from cmlibrary.org and when you scroll down on the page go to resources you'll get the whole listing so this month we are highlighting our financial resources and that is important if you are an entrepreneur or if you're into business, looking to start your own business. Those are some resources that are great to look at. And some other ones that I would like to also highlight would be lynda.com. Mm -hmm. You can go on there to learn about coding and computer science. And this is all free and taught by experts. Yes. You can't get a degree, but you can get that knowledge. And if you want to go to school to continue your education you'll have that background knowledge so again that's lynda.com another favorite resource of mine is universal class again it has over like 500 classes that you can take so if you're interested in maybe accounting or becoming a writer gardening yoga it has classes for you maybe even baking there's a wide range of classes that you can take to learn about those resources and that's universal class and all yeah. this stuff is free it's all free how y'all make money right uh, <laughs> that's a good from you guys from your donations because you love us because you're here and you're supporting our programs yes all right, cool. Well, um, I feel like we went through a lot of the, the resources, so I know the next thing we have is Charlotte Black Trivia. Now, not everybody here is from Charlotte, so some of these people. They take a wild guess. You guys, you guys might not right. might not get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, did you want to do trivia? You want me to read it? It's, a, it's, it's whatever you want to do. 
Yeah, we can take turns if you like. All right, cool. Well, you know, Alicia, you do the first one, and then uh, Karen can do the second one, and I'll do third. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so guys, how we'll do this is by a raise of hands. So we'll do an audience poll. True or false? The Good Samaritan Hospital for Blacks is preserved as an historical black site in Charlotte. True or false? Raise your hand if it's true. Okay. You You'll get one, a prize. Two, maybe. three, okay, four. All right, raise, okay, my dad is also raising. All right, so raise <laughs> your hand if it's false. Okay, so we got a lot of falses in here. Raise them high if it's false. Okay. Oh, you changed. My dad changed his mind to false, <laughs> which I feel like is hedging his bet. So he's disqualified. Yeah, you don't count. The correct answer is Alicia. It is false. False. Yeah. We did not preserve that. Now look, it's we're on gone, the honor system. Unfortunately, yes. We're on the honor system here, where we have stickers for people who got oh, it right. Oh, wonderful. So wonderful. you guys would like some stickers? Yay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to trust everybody. Pass these around to just the people that got it right. <laughs> you got it wrong. There'll be other opportunities to win stickers. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Karen, do you want to do the uh, second one? The bonus question, yes. Let's see. Okay, how is that? True or false? Okay. True or False. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I don't know. No, was what was built up. in this place? There you go. Oh, what was built in this place? This is the bonus question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anybody want to want to guess? Uh, are you? Is this a? Is this your guess? Are you saying what it is? No. You know. So you're saying Panther Stadium was built? Okay. What was what built? was built in the place of the Good Samaritan Hospital um, uh, for Blacks? Okay, now he's saying the Panther Stadium, and I didn't call on you, but I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and give you credit for the enthusiasm. Yes. Um, you get a sticker. That is correct. Yes. Cam Newton is playing. With, oh, there you go. There you go. Take one sticker, please. Thank you. All right, let's see. The third question. Um... Was the second ward high the first public high school for blacks? True or false? True or false. Let's get a second show of ward. hands. Second ward high the first public high school for blacks. Okay, a lot, lot of truths in this one. A lot of truths, okay. Does anyone think, all right, is there any falses? Okay, got a couple of falses in there. Okay, all right. If you said true. You got it correct. Yeah. It was the first public high school for blacks. Are we running out of stickers here? Does people I just want to add that it opened its doors in 1923 and closed in 1969. Wow. Wow. That was uh, pretty fast. All right. It's on you, Alicia. <laughs> Only take a sticker if you want, guys. I'm trusting everybody in here. There'll be plenty of opportunities for stickers. Okay. So... The next question is, what can be found at 9920 Brickleberry Lane in the Thornberry Apartments? A, is it A? Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. B, Alexander Slave Cemetery. Or C, the Excelsior Club. Ooh, where they used to get down. Where they used to get, get down. down. Yes, they did. Which A, B, or C? 
Who's first? Okay. Raise your hand. Raise your hand for A. For A. Raise your hand for A. Nobody. Nobody thinks it was Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. B. Alexander Slave Cemetery. Okay. We got a lot of Bs. And or C the Excelsior Club. Got one C. Two C's. The correct answer was B, guys. Get yourself a sticker. If are we let me know if we're running out of stickers out there. If, if so <laughs> if anybody else needs a sticker. All right, Karen, you got the last one. The original McCormia McCory. McCory, I'm sorry, McCory YMCA was located at the corner of what streets uptown? A third and Codwell, B. E. W. Harris Boulevard in North Tryon, or C. Trade and South Tryon. All right. So for A, raise your hand for what is it? Third and Caldwell. Okay. All right. We got a few A's up in here. All right. Uh, B was East W. T. Harris and uh, North Tryon. None. No one fell for that. And C. <laughs> <laughs> C Trade and Tryon Street. Got one in the back there. Okay, we got my man up here, my mom. The correct answer, and this is uh, the last question, guys. The correct answer is A. It was third and Caldwell. Yeah, third and Caldwell. Did you get a sticker? Is there anybody that did not get their sticker? Are we out of stickers? We should be. Everybody got stickers? Yes. Uh, All right, well, all right, some people didn't get any right, but you know what, guys? We are for the people. Yes. You can have a sticker. Okay, pass the stickers around. I want everyone to get a sticker. Everybody get a sticker. And I just wanted to add that if you want to learn more about historical black sites, this, excuse me, the questions were taken from the Charlotte Observer, and this article was written by Mark Price, and the title of the article is Black History Month, Charlotte's Vanishing Historical Sites. And this was back in February 1st, 2016. Cool. So, Alicia, how long have you been working for the library? And what was your path to being, like, a librarian? Um, I've been working for the library since 2004. And I think I've been at this location for about eight, nine years and what brought me this way is my love of books and my love of children. I work in children's services, so I love providing youth programs. That's my passion. So it wasn't the sweet library money that... <laughs> Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying librarians might be balling. I don't know. Uh, so was there anything, like, in school you had to concentrate in or specialize in to, um, to get into this field? Yeah, so you do need to have a master's degree, which I do not. So I'm like an unofficial librarian. So usually that takes about two years to complete. And there's different programs here in, excuse me, not Charlotte, but in North Carolina that you can take if you want to get your librarian degree. And to work in the library, you don't necessarily have to have a degree. It just depends on what what area you want to work in so you can have degrees but it could you could use it in different areas of the library so what's your uh, favorite thing about the job my favorite thing about the job is connecting with people working with the youth and providing quality programs and what's the least favorite thing Ooh, you put me on the spot yeah (laughs) this is what i do interviews uh okay the least favorite thing about 
the library is probably breaking down after a program. As mm. you can see, we have all these chairs in the room, and we're going to have to put them away. So that would probably be it. All yep. right. Do people just like drop their bad kids off and stuff? Y'all ready to do that? <laughs> Ooh, bad kids. And I would call them bad kids. But yes, yeah, sometimes parents, <laughs> they do. They leave their kids here. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. yeah. I, I play basketball at the YMCA during at lunch or something. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you can tell the kids that it's just like, listen, don't be in the house. So yeah. you go to the Y, I've figure had it out. For you. And I was like, you know, a library can kind of be yeah. like that, you know? And it could be a, definitely a safe place. Yeah. It should be a welcoming environment. And I think for the most part, for the people that come to University City Regional Library, that they feel welcomed here. And out front, y'all even have a thing that says safe place. What does that mean? Yep. So if there's a child that may be in distress or something, Mm. they know that this is a place that can help them. We work with that organization so that um, they can get resources that they need if if they need that. Do you guys still use a Dewey Decimal System? Because when I was in school, that was so confusing. Um, I was so confused by the Dewey Decimal System. I still don't know it. Yeah, we still have it. If you walk out in the children's area, you'll see the you'll see it wow. on our end caps. The numbers we still follow the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, I absolutely. I don't think that's ever going to die. Wow. Because at my uh, the last job that I had, we actually uh, did books for the library, and there were specific people. They were probably librarians. When we sent a library books, the librarian would actually put these books in Dewey Decimal order so that when they got there, they could just put them up in Dewey Decimal order. So that's why I said that's never going to die. It's interesting because, you know, I'm just so used now to just alphabetical order. Or you just search something on online or whatever. I feel like I would get lost looking through, trying to figure out my, remember my Dewey Decimal. I feel like I would mess it up, but. No, I mean, that's why we're here, to help you, mm-hmm. to guide you along that's on your journey need. to find those resources, those books. That's why we need those librarians. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> now, in addition to, um, like, dealing with the, the, the public and whatnot, you also have these programs. What What is the thing that makes you decide, like, when to put a program on? Like, are y'all doing something every month? Is it, you know, like, what's the impetus for all that? Mm, that's a good question. I guess I'm, I don't guess, but I'm inspired by what's happening around me, mm. like current events and, yeah, things that are happening. That that inspires me. It could be talking. It could be this, you know, this moment right here. Because since you guys are here and people love you, they're here to support you, I thought, you know what, it will be great to have you guys come back kind of like an encore and – I was reading recently in the Charlotte Observer about the 20, like, podcasters that you should know. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, wow, that's amazing. It would be great to have a program where we can invite local podcasters and for people in our community to come out and meet them and be inspired. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah. so it's just things like that. You know, I just, I maybe have an experience. I'm like, oh, that would be cool. Maybe I can do something with that. Or just meeting people. Right. Yeah. And then also, like, being work, working for the library which is like a public resource um like how much do you guys have to pay attention to like politics and different like bonds that come up and all that type of stuff like how much are y'all affected by that are y'all do y'all worry about that stuff or no yeah we definitely uh we definitely definitely um are mindful about what's happening in our community definitely because we get funding government mm-hmm. funding federal funding so it's important to know what's happening in our community and our environment because people out there are affected by mm. things that are going on changes maybe with the housing market with um 
uh, low-income housing, people not able to find jobs. So we, we have to listen to that because we need to know what the trends are. We need to know how we can help people, how we can be a better service. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely we are we are listening. Yes. With all the things that are happening, particularly here in Charlotte, uh, have y'all seen like an increase of people actually using the library for the first time? Like an increase of people that are like, hey, things have changed in my life. Somebody lost a job. Maybe they don't have access to the Internet and, or, or whatever. Like something traumatic has happened. And so have y'all seen like a bump of people using these services that otherwise wouldn't have looked before? Yeah, I think we we do see an increase of that, especially with um, homelessness, mm-hmm. with the cri- the housing crisis situation. People are hurting and people need help. So we try to connect people with the resources that can help them. Like we have a job help center at the main library. I mean, people can go there if they need help with their resume. They can come here if they need help with their resume for immigrants people that don't speak English as their first language, they can come here and learn one-on-one from a tutor, from a volunteer Mm -hmm. that can help them with their English. So you need something, we have it. Right. Come see us. Yeah, I think people don't think about it as much as a resource. Like, you'll uh, hear different politicians float these ideas of like we should privatize libraries we should make it where what do we even need libraries for we got we all got kindles or whatever and it's like well what about these other tangible resources in people's communities you know Mm -hmm. so like you said i didn't even know y'all did resume like help people with resumes but we have yeah yeah when you don't have a job you might not have the money to have your your internet at home right you might not have access to a printer you might not have access to um you know, to a professional to help you with a resume or something like that. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm learning too. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Did we have questions from either the audience or were there questions in the magic box too? Or, no. Okay. All right. Cool. So, we're going to open it up for audience questions now. Yes. So, if you guys have any questions out of the audience, and if not, then we're going to wrap it up. So, oh, I just have a question. Oh, wait, and, and we're also going to open it up to Alicia. She has questions <laughs> as well. I have, to, I have to do this. So why did you guys get into podcasting? People want to know. Oh, um, I think at the time we uh, were podcast listeners back mm-hmm. when iPhones had, uh, well, they weren't iPhones. They were iPods. Yes. And they had spinning dials. Um, and uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, called Keith and the Girl, one of my favorite shows. And uh, someone wrote in to complain about their show. And they said, uh, your show, your job is so easy being a podcaster. Anyone can do it. Why should anyone listen to you? And they said, well, if it's so easy, why don't you do it yourself? Now, I was not on the side of the person. I think, you know, I respected what they did. But I also did think, why don't we do it ourselves? Mm-hmm. And um, 10 years ago, there just were not a lot of black podcasts. Mm-hmm. So we were like, you know, you listen to shows and you, you hear I don't know how many, I mean, a lot of these people here, they listen to our show. So you listen to a show and then you have your own ideas and you're like, man, I wish they would have said that. Or man, it would be nice if someone's in the room to like tell them like, what about this perspective? And so I was like, why not our perspective? Why can't Mm -hmm. we be the people talking? And um, Karen said, uh, I'll do it with you. 
um, as long as uh, you don't put I my name I thought it was a temporary it. gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, uh, if you need to replace me, so don't worry about putting my name on it and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's why it's not called the Rod and Karen show, y'all. Right. So maybe this is a better name, but we, it would have definitely been called something else. You know, I think it is a better name because over the years, because we've been podcast, I said we've been podcast like 10 years. Over the years, we've had so many people write the show. I found y'all because I put in black. Right. on whatever platform they had and it was like y'all was the first thing to come up and particularly with google for years we fought to get above the the black little boy in hey arnold we was like number two for a very long time on google search so we finally are here we're number one when you type in the black guy so i i, I am proud Ooh, of that goal awesome. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> but yeah that's how we got started mm-hmm. and um you know but 10 years later i think it was we did all right yeah, so tell us about your experience at the Blumenthal. That's that's big time right there. That was a fun um, experience. I think that uh, Charlotte is our home, that we love this place. So when we was trying to pick venues, we decided to do the show. Uh, when we walked in, I was like, this is the spot. And I am glad that we did it. It was... A beautiful moment to share with our fans. People came from all over the world. We had people at the Blumenthal place saying that they were surprised. They was like, the furthest we ever had anybody come, you know, was local. It was like South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. So, because we had people come from Australia. We've had people come from California. We had France. We had people coming from all over the world to come. Seattle. Seattle, yeah, Washington, yeah, Texas. Texas. You know, we somebody had came from the gas house. Yeah, somebody it was Gastonia. somebody came from Gastonia, <laughs> and they, they and they said, "I told my boss I'm getting off. I don't care what y'all doing because I was hitting 85 and I was coming to see y'all." Right, and right. so it's one of those things where when you podcast, initially you don't know who's listening, so it's almost like you're talking into a black void, but eventually. People will come out of the void and be like, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. So before you know it, you realize that people are actually listening. And, you know, you can see, like, your numbers. Like, you know, you get statistics. But there are people behind the statistics. You don't realize that until you get to see them face-to-face, until you get to look them in the eye and and they tell you, you know, you said something that made me change the way that I view my wife or you said something that made me change the way, you know, I view people outside of my race or outside of my sexuality you know when you talk to people and you know they tell you that I was sick and you helped me get through sickness or my spouse was sick or my mother passed or or I was just going through depression or sadness and they were saying like you you know you were the one thing that was routine that helped me get through those moments um because words are powerful and sometimes I don't think people realize how powerful words are and how words actually touch and uh, reach people in all types of ways so we're not perfect but we try to uh be ourselves on the microphone and reach our audience and our audience reach reaches back to us and i can't speak for anybody else but i can truly say that we have one of the best audiences in the world yeah well also with blumenthal it was just like um it to me it didn't really feel real until like the day of and you see like your name outside on on that marquee blinking it's like oh yeah it's this is about to happen. And then, um, but uh, it wasn't like a nerve wracking experience, really. We had a really good event planner. Yes, we did. Um, so she made it like super, super easy. easy. We just need to show up, 
record they have very professional staff and just to, to feel all that love in the room and to, to get to hang out with all those uh people uh it was just a great time so you know and and also um Blumenthal Performing Arts is not as expensive as you would think so mm-hmm. um you know I think when you hear like that as a venue it's like i know i ain't got the money yeah for that. We, i was like but the lion king now yeah we can't afford also, that yeah it's also like <laughs> it's also like a public resource like much right. like much like the library it's also a public resource so like you can't rent it for free though it's not like that much like the library right. but it's not as much as you would think yeah awesome so i'm looking at your equipment here mm-hmm. can you tell us what kind of equipment is best for a podcast oh okay so it depends on what you want to do Mm-hmm. all right so uh for what we have we have like essentially you need a mixer it's a usb mixer and that's this thing here that my headphones are plugged into um and what it what it allows us to do is to play sound through the show so back in the day <laughs> we used to have a usb microphone yes it's called blue it's snowball oh. by blue we still have it um and then and you plug it into your computer and it picks up everything in the room Mm. as three different settings you can make you can say i'm just one person click on that switch one person talking to the mic couple people hit the next switch if you're gonna be playing like a music concert you hit another switch all right um very rudimentary not that expensive probably like under a hundred dollars um i suggest it for people who kind of just want to get started they don't want they don't want to learn all the technology and all that stuff um but we uh we started with that and in order for us to play sound so we have a skype call or something we want to play a mu- some music we had to take our pc speakers and put them next to the yeah. microphone fake so, it till you make it yeah <laughs> so i don't know about the quality of that audio i don't know if i can mm-hmm. vouch for that mm-hmm. but um it was just uh, it was we started where we were right mm-hmm. so that's what we could afford that's what we could do um but now like i said we have a usb mixer so now i can play stuff like i can go play a clip from youtube and people can hear all the audio on it uh we if we get a phone call we can take phone calls now um and this isn't that expensive um relatively speaking like may it's probably under 200 dollars to get the kind of mixer we have um and then you know you need like studio headphones um you're gonna need your microphones um we have condenser mics now a mm-hmm. little bit more expensive, expensive than the old ones mm-hmm. but um you can get one thing i will say is this if you can't afford like really good equipment expertise is free right but you have to put in the time so it's that malcolm gladwell ten thousand hour theory you have to like if you work with your equipment enough you'll become an expert in it like yeah we record with a program called audacity it's free right mm-hmm. and we had the audacity to keep using it it's been it's yeah. over two, <laughs> <laughs> it's over 2000 episodes, episodes later and we still use something that we got off the internet for free but i've become very good at using it to where i'm just like hit a button and everything's preset and we can just go ahead and start recording so um i i would just say the me- the best thing for podcast resources <laughs> just literally google it you know um and then start from if you don't want to put too much money into it start from free mm-hmm. and go from there because the average podcast only lasts about six, six episodes. episodes yeah so it may be something you're not going to do for the rest of your life so you got to kind of plan accordingly don't go buy two thousand dollars worth of stuff and it's just sitting in your house right mm-hmm. so i would say start kind of where you at and so you know audacity blue snowball mic see what you're working with and then if you want to incorporate some other things like oh, i want to learn how to put sound oh last thing 
there's also so many new resources since we started 10 years ago correct it's really a booming business like now there's websites that are like we can make it so you can record your podcast straight from your laptop onto this website you know um i don't know it off the top of my head i forget the name but there's more than one so um you know i think uh matter of fact podomatic the website that hosts our podcast they have a thing now where it's like the podcaster studio all you need is your laptop with with a, with a mic so yeah there's a lot of stuff out there it's not as expensive and it's readily available oh that is awesome and again i just want to plug in lynda.com you can also go there to learn how to podcast what was it lynda.com lynda.com and this is a free resource offered through the library if you try to get it on your own you would have to pay a subscription for it Mm. so lynda.com what a yes. Y. Okay. L Y N D A dot com. Oh, so yes. it's black. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did anybody Linda. have any questions from the audience? I thought I yes. seen a hand. So when y'all say it only lasts six episodes, most podcasts, mm-hmm. why does it stop? Is the people or you have to have sponsors or how mm-hmm. does it work? I'm gonna repeat the question though, because they might not be able okay. to pick it through the mic. Okay, so because we actually got a live chat, so for those listening to the chat room, she wanted to know why does the episode, why do episodes last six? Why do podcasts, why, why do podcasts normally last six episodes? She was wondering, was it the people? You know what's happening? I'm gonna tell you right now, it's work. Like, like I'm that, like, like that's the problem. It's work, and I don't mean a problem in a bad way. It's like people when when you do something as long as we've had, when you make something look easy. People assume that it's easy. That's because you have learned it so well, you make it look flawless. You can just go with the flow because it's almost an extension of you. Mm-hmm. So people on the outside looking in, they go, well, oh, that's simple because you make it look easy. But they don't see the the work that goes on the backside of it. They just see the finished product and they just assume, well, I want the finished product. Well, it took work to get to the finished product. And so for most people, it's like, oh, let's do a podcast. Wait a minute, we got to do this again. Uh oh, we gotta do this again. Uh oh, I gotta find out what RSS feed is. Uh oh, I gotta upload, download. Like, 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 it's, it's, it's a lot more to it than people think, particularly if you trying to do it yourself. Now, if you, uh, come in and record, that's completely different because somebody else is doing a lot of the technical work. Um, if you, but then it costs money. Right, but then, that's a trade off and then it costs money. Right. You know, but if you're trying to do it yourself, it, there are things that, that are required that you learn. But the thing is, once you learn it, nobody can take it away from you. Once, once, once you know it and you really know it, you can do more things with it and you don't have to depend and outsource and pay these fees for somebody else to do something that you've learned how to do yourself. And also, it's a thing, life. Some people are like, I'm record, but I got a child, I got a baby, I got another job, like, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I can't do it anymore. Inconsistency. Because the thing is, you have to be consistent. Because like I said, when you first start, you're talking into a void which means you don't really know who's out there. So you're doing it, and you might not get no feedback for a while. You might start with three downloads. You might mm-hmm. start with five, particularly if you don't have a built-in a machine behind you. You don't have a team of people pushing and, and promoting. You don't have people automatically throwing you to the top of these lists. That means you have to start from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And and if you particularly if you're not already famous, because a lot of people want to do it, they want to quote unquote get famous, but you're talking about people that have already built a career somewhere else and they're just taking that audience and they just move them into podcasting. That's completely different than you kind of starting fresh, which the average person is going to start fresh. Most people aren't going to be these mega superstars in podcasting. And they're going to be kind of mediocre to average. Yeah, I would say uh, the main reason that most things last six episodes on average 
is the same way like a diet lasts six weeks on average or something like you know the you're starting something new a lot of times you just want to try it and so it might not be for you you know it's it's like it's not a bad thing to have tried and been like ah we couldn't do it or i didn't want to do it it wasn't as fulfilling as uh as i thought it would be um so but but yeah the average one is like six episodes and then it's like all right uh what are we gonna do now you know uh any more questions from the audience you uh, go here possibility it could definitely be brought up oh hold on let me repeat the question for these people oh sorry no it's okay um she was asking uh what about library resources that aren't just like books like like there's some libraries where you can like rent uh physical like a like a sewing machine or something like that and so she was wanting to know if uh this if charlotte had anything like that or if this particular library university city had anything like that Yes. So at the main library, at the Job Help Center, we do have an opportunity for people to come in and get used clothes or donated clothes that they Mm. can use for interviews. Mm. Yes. I didn't know that. Mm -mm. Yes. I forgot about that. Actually, my colleague here, Everett, mentioned that. (laughs) Thank you, Everett. (laughs) Yes, but... (laughs) <laughs> anonymous person <laughs> all right a- any more questions from the audience okay we got one back here yeah i like to ask uh, i don't know i haven't never heard you guys podcast before but and, and i know this show is about black history i've been here six decades thank god for that but um congratulations the same issues and i want to know i'm an educator as well so i wish that we would be talking about education more you know as a people mm. um One, we're not teaching our children how to read mm. um, before they one and two years old like it's like we're supposed to. So I was just asking with, you know, for podcast or whoever out there speaking, if, if you guys will, you know, relate to that more. Um, so gentleman was asking about, uh, like, education, especially, like, younger and earlier with kids, like, teaching them how to read and the emphasis of that within black culture, you know, um, I mean, my personal experience is obvious, you know, my parents pushed education pretty hard. Um, and I think a lot of us do as like a way out, quote unquote, you know, it's like you either got to get, be smart or really good at sports or entertaining or something like that. But, um, I, I, I find like education is one of those things where unfortunately it's like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's like, if I'm not being fed, then I'm not thinking about books. If I'm not, uh, if I don't feel safe in my neighborhood, I'm not thinking about my education. Um, I know one of the things, uh, you know, my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, he was like, look, when you, like to make it to 21 as a black man in America, you need, like, you, there's a lot of pitfalls. You know, there's violence, there's, uh, incarceration, there's drug use, there's, uh, HIV, there's like all these different ways. And so I think to a certain extent, our kids become survivors. And once you become a survivor, you're not necessarily thinking about that future 
in a way that you know some other people may have that privilege of doing so i think like um it is important we obviously do need to stress it and i think a lot of us do i went to hbcu my wife went to hbcu like (laughs) we all hbcu people up here so like we do have it within our culture but it's it's really about the environment and like what else is what's stopping it from Mm -hmm. from getting to the point where you can feel like i can take this young kid aside and say i want you to focus on your education i'm not you know not just on if you're going to eat today or not, you know? So I think there's a lot of things that have to be met before we can just get to only that focus on education. But, but once again, like I said, I I had the privilege of having people that could push that for me, you know, that, that was like, this is that way out. This is that thing you need to do. You can at least be smart and push it outside of school. Mm -hmm. Cause just school, like school is the baseline, Yeah. right? Like like school is everybody like, Oh, just graduate from high school or whatever. It's like, that's, that's good. If you can do it, I'm not knocking it, but you don't even we don't learn enough in school you know and especially if you're talking about african-american like you're definitely not gonna learn a lot about your culture nope you know they're trying to some of the stuff they're trying to take black history out of school you know people i don't feel comfortable learning about this what about the other kids you know so it's a fight on every single level of it and you need like you need like older people you need parents you need mentors you need all these people to be fighting for you as a kid because kids can't do it themselves and we can't just put it out there by themselves uh, another question. Yeah. Hello. Hey. hey. I first want to say, go Arby's. Go Arby's. Wow. Wow. Got an infiltrator up in here. <laughs> hmm. Well, you can't. You, you can go to Arby's because there's no line. So you can go right now. Um, absolutely. We are planning to do one soon. Um, but uh, yeah, it's in the planning stages. But like phone calls been made stuff like that so i don't know it might not be at the blumenthal so i don't know if it'll be as many chairs so you know when we say go get the tickets y'all need to like get them all right uh anyone else got one over here Okay, so she's asking how do we come up with topics, especially current events and like politics and stuff like that. Um, and do we get it through our listeners or do we just kind of come up with it on our own? Um, it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, one is what I say first and foremost is what we want to talk about. So like on our show, we stopped really talking about Trump that often because it was driving us crazy. So, so we would talk about that when we felt like it, you know, and we made it into like a little bit of a game is, you know, um, and then other things are just things that like are near and dear to our hearts. And I think it's hard to, to do a show. Like some people think comedy is the absence of reality. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, I don't think, I think as black people with our like kind of gallows humor, it's, it's the opposite, right? It's reality and then we make it absurd. Like we talk about what's absurd about reality. And so for us, it's, it's, it's really generated by like, what's in the zeitgeist? What's going on? So if, um, uh, Kobe Bryant passes, we're going to talk about it instead of being like, well, I don't want to make everybody sad. We're going to talk about this thing. It sucks. 
no let's talk about it maybe we'll find some joy in that maybe we'll find some light in his life and how he lived it as opposed to just turning it into like uh good times or well people like good times so i hate to, sorry y'all uh, <laughs> but turn it into like a sad situation like so in a lot of cases um it's really and sometimes also like karen will just kind of go solo and be like i want to talk about blank and so then we talking about blank because she want to talk about um so it's really uh kind of like improv every time we do the show it's, it's jazz you know all right anyone else for questions okay my dad has a question first started your podcast and you know the span to now has your format changed like the, you have a set format mm-hmm. with, uh, you talk about sword recklessness right and things like that has that format changed from the time you started to the set format that you have now mm-hmm. and how did you make that transition to decide what's you know what your focus would be in each show um read the question and you got it Rod's daddy asks, how has, like, the format of the show changed, like, over the years, or has it changed at all? It's just dad, not daddy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> daddy. Um, father. Father. Um, the, the format of the show has changed uh, as much as we change. Yeah. And then, um, as a creative, like, it's, it's, it's almost inexplicable, but sometimes you just have, like, these moments where you're like, this is over for me. Like I got, I gleaned everything I could off the bone of this thing and I don't feel the creativity being fed with that. So for example, um, that we used to have a segment on the show, um, me, well, me and my, me and my friend Justin, we had a show where we called it, uh, the real house husbands of Charlotte. And so we, it was a mock reality show, right? It was a lot of work. Like, we do the show, I had to do all this editing, put music in, we had fake confessionals, and, you know, uh, so it's like, we'd have a scene together where we were talking, and then after the scene, it's like us talking trash about each other, like we're not in the room, kind of like reality shows. And I think we did eight episodes of that, and it was a lot of work. And I felt like the last few, it got kind of redundant, and I said, you know what, let's stop doing it. And he was like, but we're having fun, people listen to it, and I was like, I know but I don't want to do this thing until it's not fun. I want to do this thing and people will always remember how fun it was, right? And so the show is like that too. Like, um, we'll have segments where, uh, like, uh, we used to talk, have a sh- segment called Baller Alert. Mm-hmm. And we would play, we play these, uh, we read these stories about like, um, uh, groupies and stuff that like slept with ballers, like these famous people. And it was fun, but then at some point you run out and you're like, uh, okay that was it that was all the fun we got out of that and that's it you know with trump it, it was we were covering him every day it's frustrating you find yourself getting upset every single episode and i said i gotta find a way to compartmentalize this not just for the audience but for us you know i don't want to like get off of every episode of me and karen talking another hour like and then he said you know <laughs> so um Part of, part of what we do is creative, so you know we're always modifying the show. Today, this, you know, we didn't know exactly what kind of episode this would be, but we were like, we want to be here at the library. We want to use, you know, we want to like publicize our resources. We want to make this into something. So it ends up being on the fly. You know, questions for the audience, whatever. You know. All right. Any more questions? Okay. Okay, so this is about the Rockets trading Clint Capella, um, to, and and 
and now they're going to be starting um a, a, five, a six foot seven center for the rest of the season now they did just beat the lakers uh, in their first game together so and but they shot like 46 percent from three so that's not gonna happen for the rest of the season um i don't think it's necessarily sustainable to be honest i think the uh spacing on the floor will like help them on offense but i just think once they play like a dominant center or um or even just a big man like i mean lebron's bigger than six seven so once they play somebody that got some size that can also like score in the paint and as well as outside i feel like it's gonna be over so um but they needed to try something because what they had wasn't gonna work and i don't think watching james harden dribble the ball for 25 seconds every play is not good basketball so that was a definitely a curveball question, but <laughs> <laughs> ready for everything. All right, anyone? Oh. Yeah, I was just thinking, have y'all done a subject about the violence that's keep going on in Charlotte City? Um, so we have a show called, oh, she asked about like local, like the violence in Charlotte, um, cause I think the murder rate is like higher this year than it's been in like, oh, it was higher last year than it's been in like a long time. Um, but we talk about it on this show called The Pregame, and it's like me and Justin and Karen, we just kind of talk about, like, local stuff, mm-hmm. things that we're going through, life, work, and we talk about local politics, policing, things of that nature. So, yeah, we definitely do talk about it. You know, I try, and, like, with crime, it's, kinda, it's so hard because, like you said, it, it, it can be depressing to only talk about that all the time. But at the same time, especially when it comes to, like, black lives being taken, we the only ones that care sometimes. So it's like, if we don't talk about it, nobody's going to talk about it. So, yeah, we do. All right, anyone else? Okay. So do y'all pick each episode as what's going on currently, or y'all just off the head, like, okay, we're going to talk about this today, or how do y'all, like, find find the episodes that y'all talk about? Oh. Oh. Then we know what I need the question, though. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure y'all so basically the question was like how do we kind of get the names for the episodes and kind of in the topics normally I work so normally Roderick is like the topic person he's the person you know combing the internet and all that stuff as far as the name of the episodes we normally do the show and then we think about what has happened through the course of the show which actually determines what it's going to be. Sometimes it might be a joke we said. Sometimes it might be a joke when we had the feedback show, a joke that the, that somebody wrote in and said. So it can be, it could be a song. It could be a little bit of anything. So that's why the the, the titles of the show are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And same with the topics too. Yeah. It's random. I mean, yeah. uh, anyone else? Oh, one more. Um, so any segments or shows that we thought about, but we just ended up not doing, I only, I have one idea that I feel like is like a really great idea, but I don't, I would never tell anybody the idea or do it. Cause I want to do it myself, but I, but that's the only thing that we really like wanted to do that we haven't done yet. And it would, it's a little bit of work, but, um, that's the only thing. And I guess because we've been doing this for so long, whenever, if we flesh out an idea, we really think about it. Because if you put it out there, it's going to be an audience. So I'm thinking, if I put it out there, am I going to be dedicated enough to actually dedicate myself to it? And if I'm not, I don't want, I won't do it. So, all right. Oh, one more. Sorry. No problem, no problem. <laughs> 
so another podcast I listened to, last podcast on the left, they just went exclusive with Spotify. And one mm. of their stipulations was they had to have creative control. Mm. So I think you guys have been doing this for 10 years. Y'all do a great job. Obviously, you have wonderful uh, infrastructure and support. Would you ever think about going to some sort of larger podcast network if it meant you could keep your creative control? Okay, uh, so the question is, will we ever think about going to like a larger platform, larger podcast network, if we could uh, keep our creative control? Uh, absolutely, if the money was right. I mean, yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, the, the depending on what that check looked like. Yeah, the, the money, but the money, <laughs> went, and it would have to be some zeros and some commas. Yeah, I mean, I do love not having a boss. I do love having like our audience is the number one um, supporter of us. It's definitely it gives us freedom. You know, um, sometimes you see other shows that have like networks and stuff and you can tell they don't really have the freedom to really be frank. So, you know, even today, I brought up Trump several times. There's got to be shows out there that's like some editor somewhere is like, like, can you not say anything? And so I like that we can just kind of say it and just talk about what we want to. But um, if we were to lose some of that freedom and get paid for it. Um, depending on the check, I, I mean, I'm definitely gonna listen. I mean, it's definitely better than, um, than the opposite, losing your freedom and not getting the money. So it really just depends on what the situation is. But Spotify, I listen to some of their podcasts and they do seem pretty like open to like Jamel Hill's there. So they seem pretty open to like letting people talk about what they want to. So it would just depend on the money and what we have to give up. Like, I want to keep our name. I want to control like, Let's say it doesn't work out. I want to be able to go back to what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of variables in there to consider. All right. Anyone else before we get out of here? Cool. All right. Well, that's all the questions. Um, Alicia, thank you for having us. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for coming. This is awesome. You guys are amazing. Uh, Thank you. You're amazing. Uh, And we appreciate the library and the resources and the hospitality and all the fans that came out. Yay! Um, Shout out to y'all. Yeah, include my mom and dad. I see some faces here that I've seen before, too. There'll be a meet and greet when we get finished. Yeah, we'll take selfies and stuff when we leave before we pack our stuff up. And shout out to the chat room. And shout out to the chat room. The chat room came. They were live here at the library with us. So thank you. And uh, people that listen later on the podcast will edit this and put it out. Mm -hmm. So until next time, I love you. I love you, too. Mwah. Mwah.